green light. All right, uh, we're glad to see all those that made it in. Probably, as I was saying about that song that I find so wonderful, is uh, I remember many years ago that I heard a, a, a country artist by the name of Gentleman Jim Reeves sing that song. And uh, his beautiful baritone voice just made that song echo, and I've never forgotten how pretty that is. And, you know, it's funny, you know, I look back at Gracie, I look at Will and their age, and I remember so many songs the first time that uh, I heard them for myself. And it was amazing to me, you know, like, uh, you know, we're marching on to Zion, hold the banner, lift it high. I mean, so many beautiful songs that remind me all the time of God's mercy and his grace to us and how that if we serve him, we have so much more that we can learn and apply. Today we want to take our Bibles. We're going to go to the Gospel of John chapter 14. And uh, as, as I was preparing the lesson, the direction that I wanted to go in is completely different from the direction that I ended up. Uh, and I want you to know this, I don't change up my message for anyone, for any reason, for any rhyme. I just don't do it. And uh, I've known preachers that they said, well, so-and-so showed up and I wanted to hit him with both barrels. I'm not going to do that. I, I think really the message that we have today is one to where if we listen carefully to the voice of God and listen to what he's given us, it will help us to understand his purpose and his plan. And reality is, is that most of us haven't a clue the responsibility of the work of the Holy Spirit. And when we think of the work of the Holy Spirit, it's one to where we should understand it and to realize it and to make sure that we are following in line with it. Let's go down to verse 11 of John chapter 14. We're going to read together and notice what the Lord said. Believe in me that I am in the Father and the Father in me, or else believe me for the very work's sake. That's where we're going to be taking our title today, for, the, for my work's sake. Now, as a catalyst, I want you to remember this. The apostles were looking at Jesus through the eyes of a man. They saw Jesus as a man. In fact, it is even said over in Matthew chapter 28, that there was a doubt amongst the eleven that remained whether Jesus was the Messiah or not. They, Even though they had walked with him for three and a half years, even though they had been witnesses of the resurrection, they still did not know if he was Messiah or not. So the Lord, knowing the very thought of these men, began to, to present to them this thought. You are questioning. And I mean, we saw the questions that were listed up a little bit earlier. Philip said, you know, show us the Father and it sufficeth us. He said, have I been so long time with you, Philip, that you don't know me? A little bit later we saw Thomas. He said, but we don't know the way to you, Lord. And he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. And now I want you to think about this. He said, if you're going to believe anything, at least believe me for my work's sake. Now that's going to be important as we go in a little bit later. Verse 12 says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. 
If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Forever. Not just temporal, not just for a moment, but he shall abide forever. Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not take I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you yet a little while, and the world seeth me no more. But you shall see me because I live, you shall live also. All at that day you shall know that I am in my Father, and ye in me, and I in you. Let us pray. Father, again I want to thank you for the blessings that you allow us to see from your word. Lord, we're presenting the message in such a powerful way that we want to understand it, apply it, and be ready for you to give us what we are in need of. Lord, I know we, we schedule time for the preaching of the word. We schedule time for our services to begin and to end. But Lord, if we are to truly rely upon you, then let us be open to what you would have for us to witness, to see, to be ready for. Lord, let us have discerning minds, but let us have a desire that is within us that we might see the power of your resurrection, that we might have witness to others what God is doing in us. I know, Father, that in you are, is all good things, and we trust you, Lord, and we know that you will supply and bless Help us, dear Father, to be faithful unto you in all things, and we will rejoice in the good that you alone will bring. So guide us and keep us. Use us, dear Father, and we will rejoice in you. For it's in Christ we pray. And amen. I want to begin this service by something that just approached my mind, and I don't know why it would be there, but I just want to share this with you. Years ago, my family, my mom and dad, they took us to Sybean Missionary Baptist Church across the river. Uh, and later on, um, you know, dad had some questions about the founding of that congregation, and so he took us to Mount Pleasant. But while we were there, I remember that we had a pastor by the name of Chet Joseph. And, you know, we had a, a growing congregation. We had a lot of young people that were in our congregation. And one particular Sunday night... Well, Sunday morning it started off, we had a couple people that were saved. A little bit later, Sunday night, we had some more people that were saved. And out of the clear blue, Brother Chet made this statement. He goes, you know, I don't feel like we should close the services. All those in favor of having services tomorrow night, you know, can I have a motion? Can we have a second? And literally, they voted for one more extension on the night. The next night, we had more people that were saved. Again, a vote came up. What about tonight? What about tomorrow night? And this went on for a period of about two weeks. And every night, souls were being saved. It was probably, for a young man, it was the most amazing feat that I had ever seen. I saw and witnessed for myself the working of the Holy Spirit in a way, in a way that many of us have never experienced. I also remember many years ago when I was, uh, you know, handling youth camps and, uh, you know, from our church that we had there in Burnside, Kentucky. I remember that as we were laboring to prepare for that youth camp that I, I just wanted it to, to be a good camp. I wanted to see 
the, the, the Spirit moved amongst us in such a powerful way. I had invited Brother Troy McGahan to come down and preach for us. And that dirty bird, he preached a sermon that I guarantee you he had preached the same exact sermon the year before, and it fell on deaf ears. And I thought, if it didn't have any power then, what makes you think it's going to have power tonight? Well, while we were there, I finally had one girl come up to me. Her name was Laura Vander, Vanderbilt or Vanderhook. And she came up and she goes, Vandevere, that'll get it right. And she said, Brother Prater, and I said, Yeah, Laura. She said, I want to be saved. I had not expected that night that anyone would want to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But Laura came forward. And before you know it, we had 14 young people that were saved that particular night. And, oh, I, I mean, I told Brother Troy afterwards, I said, you can preach that sermon anytime you want amongst us. But the reality is, is that when we go in, we a lot of times don't expect the Lord to be a blessing to us as we know he shall be a blessing. Consider this for a moment. The very men of God that he had called to be with him didn't even know if he was truly the Messiah or not. Many times I think we can get it into our mind that these men were certain power and they had certain abilities, but these were just like you and me. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. And I want to show you what I'm talking about. We're going to take a look at a man by the name of Peter. And you know, it's interesting is that when we study a man named Peter, we see oftentimes the message of this man. Well, let's go on down, if you will, to verse 13, and we'll, we'll stop, pick up from there. Notice what it says. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? I heard an interesting message about why Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man more than the Son of God. Because do you realize that by him declaring it, I'm like you, but I'm not like you. I am the Son of Man that is the, going to prove to you that I am a perfect sacrifice to be able to stand for you upon the cross of Calvary in death. I am a man, and as a man I have to die. As a man, I have to live righteously. As a man, I must prove to him that the Son of God, I shall rise again from the tomb that has been the captive, the captivator, the keeper of so many lost souls. And then when he asked this question, who, do the, who does the world say that I am? Do you realize that is the one thing that if you can ever find someone that believes the Word of God, they will say, well, what about Jesus? Well, he was a good man. He was a good teacher. He was, you know, he was interesting in the way that he talked and presented himself. That's exactly the answer that is given. Look at verse 14. And they said, some say that thou art John the Baptist. There's a good teacher. There's a good man. Some say Elias. There's the prophet that they make mention of. And others, Jeremiah, so one of the other prophets. And he saith unto them, But whom say ye that I am? Notice Simon Peter's answer. And then, Come on, we all want to hear this kind of answer. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Son, or thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Do you realize that at that moment, Peter goes from his humanity to who he really is, and thou art the Christ. You are the one we've waited for. 
Peter was? If you will, go on down. And let's see what happens in verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show his disciples how that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. Jesus showed that to Peter. He said, look, Peter. And Peter took him and began to rebuke him. Oh, and there's one. Doesn't that show the vacillation of who we are? In hoping nobody will hear you. The reality is, is that our flesh gives away what we really are. But the Spirit, in the great anguish of spirit, says, I don't like it. I don't like it. And so the reality is, is that we find it over and over, the struggle that is there. Even Peter, let's go to Luke chapter 22. In Luke chapter 22, we also find the same struggle. Uh, helps if I go to the right chapter. Luke chapter 22, and let's go down to verse 61. <laughs> I want you to see this aspect of Peter's life as well. Leading up to the, this story, Peter had been told by the Lord, all of you are going to flee from me, but you, Peter, you, you, Peter, before the cock crows twice, you're going to deny me three times. And it is said in this scripture that Peter had heard the message of the accusation and notice what the answer is. And as soon as Peter heard this message, it says in verse 61, and it says, And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. What do you think his eyes said? What do you think the eyes... Have you ever looked at somebody in the eyes... You look at someone in the eyes and, and you can tell something about them. It said the eyes are the window of the soul. Have you ever looked in the eyes of someone and seen sadness? Have you ever looked into the eyes and seen joy? Imagine Peter as he heard that cock crow for the second time and he looks and there's the eyes of Jesus staring back at him. Without saying a word, Peter knew he had let the Lord down. How many of us have ever felt like we've let the Lord down? And notice what happened. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord that he had sent unto him before the cock crow, crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. I don't plan and I don't know all the situations of everyone's life Yet this past Sunday, not today, but a week ago, I, I had the men and, and the folks of the church pray for me. And as I received the blessing of those prayers, 
I, I, I literally felt like God was giving me the assurance that there was many things yet to accomplish. You know what my greatest desire is? My greatest desire is to see this church blossom in such a way that we see even more saints come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. That we have such an outreach that there would be the pouring out. You know, one of my favorite movies is called Facing the Giants. And there's this one old man who just runs his hand down the locker. And as he's going in this school running his hand down the locker, he's praying for every kid that is in that school. And it began with a coach of that school who was trying to do everything worldly to make a winning team. But it was when he surrendered to God that everything began to happen. And while he was in his office, while he was there and he was, he was contemplating what was going on, one of the teachers came by and said, Don't you know what's going on out in the yard? Don't you know what? He said, Come with me. And as they went out into the yard, there were people in the And the coach was dumbfounded. <laughs> and one young player. And you know how I remember this player? His first name was Matt. His last name was Prater. Sinful Praters as they can possibly be. He goes up and he said, Coach, I've been saved. There's no greater joy than to lead someone to Christ. To see our prayers answered. This week we went to the we went to the viewing of my aunt who passed away but I will never forget the moment that she was introduced as my sister in Christ by my father who had prayed for her for 35 years and when he introduced me there were tears running down his face and what was interesting is that young man said coach I gotta go tell dad and they went to they went to his dad's workplace and he walked in and he goes dad I'm sorry that I haven't been a better son. You know, the evidence of salvation is we are no longer And the thing that is amazing to me is when Jesus tells these individuals, I want you John chapter 20. And I want you to see what it says in the Gospel of John regarding the miracles that Jesus did. These are not the only
people did he raise from the dead? How many of the sick did he heal? And yet not, uh, not enough room is in this book for us to contain it. Look at verse 31. But these are written. Why are these things written down? Savior. Wait a minute. Yet it's the old adage. But wait, there's more. Let's go on over, if you will, to chapter 21. And in chapter 21, let's go all the way down to verse 24. And notice how much that the Lord did. This is the disciple which testified of these things and wrote these things, and we know his testimonies are true. And then. I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that it should be written. The greatest miracle of all. How many of you all know? Of course, we, we think of the Jerusalem revival. We think about how what we see the, the work of the Holy Spirit as it begins to move within. But the greatest example of revival was, I think, found when Paul and Silas were imprisoned, they had been whipped. Their, their backs were bloody from the whipping that they received. And yet, here they are chained up. And can you imagine, Brother Randy? They're having a prayer meeting. <laughs> I can almost see Brother Paul looking in and goes, You know, Silas, maybe we ought to sing the praises to God. Maybe we ought to sing how... We don't know what they sang. We don't know what they prayed. Maybe it was Amazing Grace before it was ever penned by John Newton. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved. was blind, but now I see. And immediately that jail cell began to shake. And the chains fell off. And they were released. And the thing that was amazing, here was the guard, here was the jailer, and he was getting ready to take his life. And Paul shouts out from the darkness, Do thyself no harm. We are all here. You want to talk about salvation and a great miracle of revival? At that moment, he said, what must I do to be saved? There are many people that want to say he was looking for... What must I do to know this Savior that you all sing about? That you all pray about? Who is Jesus? And the scripture goes on to tell us that everyone that was in his house believed. Turn with me to the gospel, of, or if you will, to the book of Acts, the recordings that are there. And I want to, I want to show you something. It's an amazing thing, and I hope that with the time that we have left today that you'll be able to see it. Let's go to Acts chapter 1, and let's go down to verse 3. And notice that in the prelude, we find that Luke is writing and recording the things that happened. Look what it says in verse 3. To whom also... 
to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days. Now I, I want you to do the math. Jesus resurrected after three days. Then there was forty days, leaving one week before Passover, or from Passover to Pentecost. And Jesus told the apostles, I want you to go into the upper room and wait. And I want you to get this. Why did he tell them to wait? Because in that period of time, when Jesus went away, the Holy Spirit would come. And this is the part that most of us don't even know of in regarding to the Bible on how clear the Holy Spirit is. And i got news for you. I've studied the Holy Spirit in my life, but every time that I put my eyes down upon the Word of God and to try to understand the working of the Holy Spirit, the more amazed I am. At the very moment when they went away, they went a day's journey after the ascension of Christ back to the community where they were at, into the upper room, and there they waited. How many of us would be willing to wait one week upon the Lord? I'm going to show you something that's pretty amazing to me, if you will. Turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 7. Genesis, chapter 7. Let's see if I can get over there before you all do. And reality is, is that whenever we see a week of waiting, there was a week of work that had to be done. In Genesis, chapter 7, Let's go down to verse 4 and notice what it says. For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth forty days and forty nights. And every substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. And Noah did according to all the Lord commanded him. I know it was six hundred years old when the flood of waters was upon the earth. Now I want you to get this. Seven days. <laughs> Noah was in that ark seven days before the first raindrop fell. The apostles had a business meeting and for seven days they waited upon the Lord as commanded of them to be in that upper room. It's interesting, according to the book of Hosea, chapter 6, the Holy Spirit is a representation of rain. I think there was a, a close correlation that was there. The rain that came down upon the Noah's Ark was in judgment. The name, or the rain that came down upon the apostles was going to be an amazing relief. And so, when the Holy Spirit... Or chapter, uh, chapter 2, verse 1. And when the day of Pentecost, the day of redemption, the day will the day will fully come, they were within one.
For seven days these apostles feasted, they fasted and they waited upon the Lord. They prayed for His coming. And when 120 plus the apostles came out of that upper room, immediately the Holy Spirit poured out upon them. Notice what it says. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't that be wonderful? You know, a lot of my precious time. What do you mean, precious time? It's hard. Can God do that to this little congregation? You better believe it. If he can take 12, he can take a bunch. Or he can take a little. And as those men began to preach, notice again in verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like unto fire, and they, and they set upon each one of them. Notice the work of the Holy Spirit. And they all were filled with the Holy Spirit, do you know, or the Holy Ghost. Let me just tell you something. When these men understood the possession of the Holy Ghost, Joe, my own son, asked me this question. He said, Dad, do you believe we have the ability still to cast out demons? Let me tell you something. Yes, I do. But unless Christ moves in, what's the purpose of casting out a demon out of someone? You want to see real impact upon that? Preach the Word of God. Let Christ move into an individual and see what happens to that individual. There will be release like you've never seen before. And immediately, look at what happens with these people. And, and again, the Holy Spirit begins to give them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. And now these were no And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are these not Galileans? And how can we every man in our own tongue wherein we were born? And look at the different ones. Parthenians, Medes, Elimelites, as well as dwellers of Mesopotamia and in Judea and Cappadocia, and Pontus and in Asia, Figura and Pamphylia in Egypt and parts of Libya around Cyrene, and, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues and wonderful works of God. When the Holy Spirit gets a hold of us, nothing matters. Nothing else matters. The one thing is, the Holy Spirit gave them rain from on high. And these people began to preach with a confidence 
that had never been known before. I want to show you where that confidence comes from. Look what Jesus said, beginning in John chapter 14. I'm trying to keep our passages close. But look what he promised, beginning in verse, you know, in John chapter 14, beginning in verse 26. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. I am still learning. Praise God, I'm still learning. If you think I know everything, you better guess again. There are many things in this Bible that I don't know completely. But the thing that's beautiful is when the Holy Spirit shall come, which is the Comforter, He will teach all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. How many of us struggle? The truth of the matter is, all of us do. John Bunyan wrote an amazing book called Pilgrim's Progress when he was in Bedford, England. And literally, I have been by the Bedford jail. They still keep it as it was when Bunyan was cast into it. And in his famous book, Pilgrim's Progress, he, uh, he brings a person to our view called Christian. And the one thing Christian struggled with was eternal security. Fear. He watched as a friend of his, I think her name was Faith, that she was literally brought to death, persecuted unto death, and yet in great victory she ascended on high. And then came Christian's time, and he goes, I'm, I'm still afraid to die. I'm, I'm afraid to pass over. You know what was amazing? The Lord dispatched angels to carry him across. I don't know what it's going to be like when I leave this earth. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it's going to be like when I die. But I believe God will carry me and give me strength all the way across. The song that comes to mind was Jesus bear his cross alone and all the world go free. No, there's a cross for me to bear. That's something I want us to think about. But look what else it says. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I'm going to be with you. That is the work of the Comforter. He is always going to be with us. Look out, if you will, go to chapter 15. Let's go down again, if you will, to verse 26. And notice what the Lord says at that moment <coughs> in the response. Of 15, 26, and 27. And when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth. You know the one thing that I have discovered about the Holy Spirit? He will not sustain falsehood. I've become so convicted over the things I've covered up, over my sins, over my inabilities. But the thing is, is that the Spirit of truth will present Himself in a mighty way, which proceeded from the Father shall testify of me, and you shall also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I want you to get this. 
the Holy Spirit lives within me. I do not bring the Holy Spirit in this place. When I come into this place, the Holy Spirit is here. <laughs> come on, let this sink in. How many people, when they walked through the door, went, Wow. I can feel the presence of the Spirit in this place. We're getting ready to have our area of fellowship. Wouldn't it be wonderful as other saints come in that door and went, there's something different about this place. Some people come in and they go, well, you don't have an instrument. Don't need it. Let the songs be sung as they should be from the, from the hymn books. The Word of God, when you preach it, there's such power. It's not my power. It's the power of God to be able to take His Word and the Holy Spirit to carry it. The power of preaching is but one little mechanism. But when we desire the things of God and there's a humility that is there, we begin to see the strength of it. One more place. Chapter 16, going all the way down to verse 13. To verse 16. Notice what the Lord said about the Holy Spirit. Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, here these men were waiting on the Holy Spirit, and for seven days of the promise. How many of us would willingly give seven days? How many of us would pray seven times for rain? How many of us would wait upon the Lord in a powerful way? And yet, the Lord promised them the Spirit's coming. I don't think even these apostles had an inkling of how powerful that was going to be. He will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself. You know what really bothers me? How many people in churches all across the land want the Holy Spirit to do something amazing? But wait a minute. The most amazing part is when the Holy Spirit reveals to the lost sinner that Christ is the Son of God, that He is God, and His passion is complete. Look what else He says. But whatsoever He shall hear, that shall He speak, and He will show you things to come. He shall glorify the Father. When the Holy Spirit came, He glorified the Son. And that is the power of the Trinity of God. And he shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath are mine. Therefore said I that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. A little while and you shall see me. And again a little while and you shall see me. You shall see me because I go to the Father. Do you realize that when the apostles sat there and they looked at the Lord as he ascended up into heaven... I wonder if that verse came to their mind. You're going to see it. And you know the thing that's amazing? Now get this. Come on now. We are looking to the sky knowing that the Lord's coming back. Can you imagine driving down the road and then suddenly we just see a, a bright beam out of the skies? How many of you have ever looked at the sky and, and seen the, the, the bright light break through the clouds and you wonder to yourself... Is this the time for the Lord to come? When was the last time that you looked upon the skies and you went, Where are you, my Lord? 
When was the last time that you really had such great power that you trusted in the Lord and Him only? That is the working of the Holy Spirit as well. You know, many times people will turn around and they'll say, well, you know, we don't want to put too much favor. Get off of it. I want to show you, and I want to conclude with this first. Let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And I know in the month of May, this verse will come out over and over again. But let me bring this up to you in a real way, right now, at this moment. 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And let's go down to verse 14. Look at the power of this verse. The humility of this verse. The contrition of this verse. In verse 14 it says, If my people, not the If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray. I've got news for you folks. Anyone that complains over someone praying more than a minute, you don't know what you're complaining about. Children, are you listening? Don't complain when somebody pours their heart out to God. When I bow my head, sometimes I just want God to hear me. And sometimes I just want to be in His presence. I wonder how many of those apostles entered into that upper room and didn't say a word. But they bowed their head in silence. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, you know what that means? I don't seek this world. I seek my Lord. And I turn from my wicked ways. There, I need to get rid of my sins. I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin. And they and will heal their land. Wouldn't it be wonderful if the doors opened up and someone came in and said, I just want to know Jesus. How many of us would be shocked if someone suddenly said, I want to know Jesus as my Savior? And yet the greatest testimony of all is the knowing that truth. Do you know Jesus today? Do you know his power? For my very work's sake, he said, believe on me. And today as we enter into this final moment of song, if anyone wants to know more about this Jesus who am I lovingly serve, this Jesus who is all in all to me, I would gladly share even more with you. Father, again, I want to thank you for your blessings. And I pray, Father, now that you'll take this message as you have laid it upon my heart and cause others to know Christ as well. Bless us, Lord, even now as we conclude in this service and lead and bless in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Brother Randy. Thank you.